Welcome to a new episode of Riada, a Wilson Center podcast about entrepreneurship in the Middle East and North Africa region. I'm Marissa Khurma, director of the Middle East program here at Wilson, and I'm Atshawai's my co-host of the Howdy Arabia podcast, joining us from Amman, Jordan. We are very excited today to speak with Ms. Sherry Carlin, who serves as mission director of the United States Agency for International Development, also known as USAID, in Jordan. This mission is one of the largest worldwide and focuses on all aspects of economic growth, water, education, health, and democracy and governance programming. All issues integral to Jordan's economic and political development. And many of these issues were indeed covered in various conversations that we've had on the Riyadh podcast. Ms. Carlin has extensive experience in the MENA region and beyond. Most recently, she served in Egypt as mission director, and before that in Sri Lanka and Maldives. Ms. Carlin, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you for your time. Ahlan wa sahlan. Thank you so much, Marissa. I'm really pleased to be here uh, with you and Imad. So we're just going to start to, I guess, better understand um, USAID's mission in Amman, uh, particularly when it comes to the programming focused on economic growth and um, youth. So according to the World Bank's Jordan overview earlier this year, youth unemployment in the country reached nearly 50%, which is an alarming rate for a country whose population is largely comprised of young people. Um, so I guess my question is, how is USAID's mission in Amman uh, or across Jordan really supporting the country to address this particular challenge? Thank you. It's a really critical um, question, and it's one that we talk about um, every day in the mission and then throughout the international community. But as you said, um, today's young people here in Jordan, those under the age of 30, make up um, half of uh, the, the country's population. And uh, according to government estimates, and of course, um, also exacerbated by the COVID pandemic, um, mm -hmm. Youth unemployment rates have skyrocketed here in Jordan. Um, you already mentioned the 50% level. And so we track that um, frequently um, and are looking to do everything possible to help decrease that. But as you know, globally, youth have lived through a pandemic, advocated for their rights and harnessed the power of social media mm -hmm. to drive landmark changes in domestic and international policy. And we live in a time when we know that Jordan's economic stability and security depends on the active participation of its youth. Mm -hmm. And with that, I'm really pleased to say that USAID has long recognized the power and potential of young leaders throughout the Hashemite Kingdom. For example, on a national level, USAID works closely with the Ministry of Youth, as well as the private sector and higher education institutions to create an actionable plan for the government to implement its own new national youth strategy, which was finalized in uh, 2019. This strategy calls for programming that is youth-relevant, youth-focused, youth-created, and youth-led. Uh, the national strategy requires key stakeholders, such as the ministries of education, labor, political, and, and parliamentary affairs, relevant youth organizations and the private sector to serve as advocates for change. 
and to truly be accountable for achieving the strategy's mission, we have to enable the youth to innovate, create, produce, and participate in Jordan's social, economic, and political spheres. So over the last year, USAID has invested tremendously in, in young people throughout the kingdom, which I'm sure I'll get to, to discuss in more detail later in this episode. But in the last year alone, uh, over 33,000 youth were directly supported by USAID, with around 17,000 young men and women benefiting from work, internships, volunteer, and educational opportunities. While an additional 16,000 were trained in leadership, soft skills, and civic engagement and advocacy, which is equipping them with the needed skills to participate in the economy and create pathways for participation in public life, including leadership roles within their own families, communities, and workplaces. And we will continue to build on these efforts. Um, th this is wonderful, particularly concerning um, um, all this, all the training that youth um, are receiving uh, in, in the skilling and upskilling, because that's definitely one of the challenges. The skills gap is definitely one of the challenges that we see um, across the, the MENA region, actually, not just in Jordan. Uh, so that's very encouraging um, development. Um, Ahmad, over to you. Thanks for that information, Sherry. Um, we, Marissa and I have been, been speaking to dozens of, uh, of entrepreneurs uh, this year and uh, who, who basically have startups and, uh, and, and are, are you know, on, on the entrepreneurial journey. Um, one of the challenges uh, in the ecosystem <coughs> that they've, they, that's, uh, they keep mentioning is access to capital. Uh, and limited, uh, it's been limited uh, in general in Jordan, and also access to other markets uh, in terms of uh, trading. Uh, from your experience, how can the government uh, and or the private sector uh, work to strengthen this ecosystem? Uh, thanks for that question, Ahmad. It's so important, and we agree that many, many challenges exist out there. The ease of doing business for startups, for example, is far from easy. And common challenges do include, honestly, um, a clunky registration process, lack of mentoring and overall support. And on top of that, doing business uh, in Jordan is really quite costly. So in fact, some Jordanian businesses pay electricity tariff rates that are three to five times higher than international averages. That said, historically, Jordan has been home to many successful startups across the MENA region. And Jordan's greatest asset is truly its people, an educated and aspirational population, which brings great potential for achieving economic gains. As in many countries for young entrepreneurs to thrive, they require support and attention to help them find their place in the economy. And it's truly no different here in Jordan. So in recognition of these needs, USAID's Beyond Capital Activity, for example, which was launched, um, it, they launched a startup support program, which provides early stage high growth potential businesses with a variety of advisory services and training that's focused on financial readiness, operational processes, and market expansion to assist new entrepreneurs make that leap from startup to scale up. Um, we also have numerous new activities that we're very excited about, ex activities that are working directly with the private sector, 
For example, our newest activity called ICLA, which um, for those who don't speak Arabic means to launch, is supporting micro enterprises and home-based businesses. And with the goal of helping literally thousands of micro enterprises over the next five years, ICLA is supporting new micro and home-based businesses to improve access to finance, markets, as well as services. ICLA is also assisting existing businesses to accelerate growth and recover from the pandemic and encourage formalization. Based on our estimates, approximately 40% of businesses in Jordan operate in the informal economy. Keeping in mind, we fully believe this number is probably much, much higher. And formalization is really um, just so important here because once formalized, businesses are eligible to become members of nationwide business associations. They are able to apply for business accounts and loans and benefit from social protections like social security. We also support small and medium-sized firms through our new business growth activity. And under this activity, we're providing technical assistance to small and medium-sized firms, including startups, that have the potential to grow, trade, and create jobs at a much larger scale. In the last three months alone, we've signed 24 advisory agreements for firm-level support in numerous sectors such as uh, renewables, food, health services, cosmetics, and human resources. And then to offer a more specific example, we recently started working with a Jordanian firm, Kader, um, that has an on-demand staffing platform for freelance workers and businesses in the technology, hospitality, retail, and service sectors. USAID is accelerating this particular company's growth to create freelance opportunities for over 6,000 college-aged youth throughout Jordan, as well as the MENA region. And we're going to be working with hundreds of firms just like Cotter, ultimately improving their productivity and competitiveness creating new jobs, and supporting innovation. We're also making a concerted effort to work outside of Amman by partnering with business incubators and governorates such as Karak, Irbid, Zarka, and Aqaba. And to ensure maximum impact, we provide equal and inclusive opportunities across the kingdom. So thank you, Amman, again for that great question. Um, thank you so much, um, uh, uh, Many of these uh, issues you mentioned, particularly formalization um, of a lot of these small and medium businesses is so important. And all of our research at the Wilson Center focused on workforce development. The, the informal sector um, always comes up. As you mentioned in Jordan, it's almost at 40%, maybe even higher in countries like Egypt. It's also um, quite high, ar around 40 to 40%, same with Tunisia. Um, and we've seen how a lot of the informal sector was severely hit by the pandemic. So it's very encouraging to know that there is a concerted effort to focus on uh, formalization. If I, might if I may launch into um, uh, um, uh, another question to also address one of the challenges that Jordan faces. Because um, Ahmad and I have spoken, as he mentioned, to so many entrepreneurs, um, and many of them were actually uh, women. Um, and one of the features of Jordan's economic story is, unfortunately, the low female um, labor participation rate. And that's 
despite having very impressive achievements um, in tertiary education, uh, we you know we see probably women um, outperforming their male um, colleagues uh, in education, and this is a phenomenon that it, that is very much um, prevalent across the the, the MENA region. So I guess. The, the the question is how can this be reversed? Um, it seems to be a very long and slow process because it's not just about some of the technical issues that could be addressed, but it's also very much about attitudes and social norms. Marissa, you're absolutely right. Um, women's low, low economic participation has been a long-standing challenge in Jordan. In fact, the World Economic Forum's Gender Gap Index for 2022 that was just released this past July ranked Jordan 145 out of 146 countries on women's labor force participation. This ranking really highlights the need to start framing the gender parity in Jordan as an emergency. And to properly frame this, allow me to just mention a few more factoids that's really important for the audience to understand. Unemployment among women stands at 31.5%, with 82% of those unemployed holding a college degree. Mm -hmm. Women's unemployment in the formal economy does not exceed 11%. When we look at the country as a whole, more than one-third of Jordanians work informally, with 80% of these Jordanians being women. And of those 80%, Two-thirds are working in micro-enterprises and home-based businesses with no social protection, as I had mentioned a bit earlier. If Jordan were to achieve gender parity in employment, it would stand to increase its GDP by approximately $8 billion annually. To me, that's just an astonishing number. Um, these numbers show the depth of the issue and should fuel change not only at the household level, but on a national level. In fact, you highlighted two of the key challenges to women's economic empowerment in your question. And those challenges are attitude and mindsets, or in other words, cultural barriers. We often hear of cultural norms that limit women's decision-making. These are also biases in the regulatory framework, discriminatory hiring practices, and in harassment policies or the, or the lack thereof. There are also structural barriers, such as limited job growth, low wages in comparison to men, long working hours, lack of childcare options, and safe public transportation. So let me just pause here for a second. Did you know that 47% of Jordanian women turn down jobs due to lack of safe transportation? I mean, to me, that is such an incredibly high number that uh, is fixable. Um, and it just should be um, significant, significantly lower. I believe we have to focus on, uh, first and foremost, supporting the private sector's growth and creating decent, non-discriminatory employment opportunities, ensuring an equitable work environment. And second, we also need to foster political will to shape impactful and more forward-leaning policies and reforms that truly prioritize the engagement of women and hold those responsible for implementing these policies and reforms accountable. Collectively, mm -hmm. we also need to be courageous, push the boundaries and disrupt the status quo. Understanding this will no doubt be uncomfortable and difficult for many, but until this is done and until 
all Jordanians and people from different socioeconomic and geographic backgrounds are engaged in society equitably, Jordan will not be able to rise to its greatest potential. USA just launched an activity called Makanti. And Makanti, which means my status in Arabic, will work with businesses, women, and communities to help remove barriers that are hindering women from accessing waged employment. The activity will work directly with the private sector and private sector associations to also alter the workplace environment, making it a more amenable uh, workplace for female employment. Um, very interesting data, um, and particularly the one on women refusing job offers due to the transportation challenge. I mean, I've always known that this is a challenge for women. We also see it in in, in other countries, including um, Egypt, uh, Tunisia, but um, but to refuse a job because of that, that's that's really a very high number. Ahmad, what do you yeah, think? That's, yeah, it's uh, it highlights it highlights the uh, that one of the reasons isn't necessarily cultural; it's also infrastructure, which could be overlapping with with a cultural need to change. But the infrastructure is definitely a, a one of one of the factors. I mean, I'm not personally. I'm I'm currently on the outskirts of Amman uh, in an industrial zone, uh, Sahab, and. Uh, I'm sitting at a company that has under 1% uh, women unemployment. <laughs> and it's mainly due to transportation, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I mean, we could, this, this company is not able to hire any females that, have, that live in West Amman that have uh, maybe higher skills, higher education, and uh, you know, based on merit. Um, yes, it's partly due to... Uh, infrastructure of transportation, but it also, uh, you know, are also related to, to cultural uh, issues mm-hmm. as well. Um, Sherry, I'd like to ask you about um, the modernization vision that is now officially, you know, part of uh, Jordan's, uh, you know, uh, plans moving forward. Um, what is... Uh, how can the U.S. government support Jordan in implementing the modernization vision? Sure. Um, as you know, His Majesty King Abdullah II has just embarked on a major reform agenda, including um, economic, public sector, and political reform to move Jordan towards a more stable, secure, and democratic future. As a long-term strategic partner, USAID is working with the government to undertake these reforms at a meaningful yet achievable pace. So, for example, USAID has two activities. The first, the public financial management activity, and the second being an energy sector support activity. Um, both whose teams are working to address larger systemic barriers to firm-level growth through better tax compliance or improving the business and investment environment and lowering lowering energy costs. These activities primarily work with the government of Jordan and the private sector to accelerate reforms and promote efficiencies. Another activity that we have is an economic reform activity, which is supporting the government to prioritize, implement, and sustain its own economic reforms, including the Jordan growth reform matrix and the Jordan Economic Priorities Program, 
the Public Administration Modernization Roadmap, and the Economic Modernization Vision 2033, which you just mentioned. And in the coming year of implementation, uh, the Economic Reform Activity will support numerous ministries. And it will help advance the government's new investment climate law, for example, to attract and encourage domestic and foreign investment and promote investments as a key driver of economic growth and job creation. We'll also support the government's development of Jordan's investment strategy and Jordan's industrial strategy, which are two really key priority interventions under the economic modernization vision. USAID is in lockstep with Jordan's reform agenda, and we've ensured our programming reflects that. Supporting and strengthening Jordan's economy remains the top priority for the U.S. government. And so USAID is extremely proud to partner with the government of Jordan, private firms, entrepreneurs, and future entrepreneurs to move Jordan's economic vision, inclusive of women, youth, and persons with disabilities, to reality. Um, thank you so much for for sharing that, Mary. It's um, it's also a uh, a good time to talk about this as the United States and Jordan just signed um, a new um, MOU here in Washington, and the Wilson Center just hosted on Friday um, His Excellency um, Ayman Safadi, Jordan's Foreign Minister, who talked about how important U.S. support and U.S. aid is. Um, to Jordan, particularly in moving um, the economic reform agenda forward. So this is um, a testimony to the U.S.-Jordan partnership. So um, we would love to keep you for longer, but I, we're also aware that um, you have other important uh, projects and initiatives to tend to, but we want to wrap up this discussion um, with a question that we always ask our entrepreneurs and other stakeholders in the um, um, entrepreneurship ecosystem, uh, particularly, um, you know, addressing youth. What what advice or what words of wisdom do you have um, for Jordan's youth, especially young women who are really trying to break um, all these barriers um, and and glass ceilings um, and try to start or grow their own businesses. So Marissa, I once had a mentor who had a quote posted on her desk and it said, if I remember it correctly, um, it was Henry Ford who said, when everything seems to be going against you, remember that the airplane takes off against the wind, not with it. <laughs> so, so in my line of work, I think of that quote often as it always reminds me to be bold, creative, to take risks, and to believe in the impossible. So with that in mind, I'd say to Jordan's youth, which include both young men and young women, know what you want and then get out there and talk to as many people as possible about your aspirations. I truly believe if you speak to enough people, there will be one person when you least expect it will be in a position to help your dream come true. And specifically to the women who are listening, please, please be courageous and know when you take bold steps, you will feel both fear and excitement, but that's when you know you're headed in the right direction. And of course, to the men listening in today, and I say this with the greatest and deepest respect, 
even with laws and plays. Women will need your support, and I promise you, your actions will speak louder than words. So my last thought for the youth, again, both young men and women, don't ever forget, you are the future. And the future promise of any nation is directly measured by the present prospects of its youth. Life may sometimes seem unfair and blurry, but with deliberate focus, you will, I promise you, you will find your way. But always be open to the unexpected opportunities. There's not just one path and there will be twists and turns along the way, but that's the fun part and that's the journey of life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sherry, thank you so much. Very, um, very inspiring um, advice to young people um, in Jordan, and I'm pretty sure this applies to our audience um, in various parts of the MENA region as well. I really like your focus on, you know, talking to people and networking because you really don't know where the next opportunity lies. Uh, so this is truly important and backed by science. Uh, LinkedIn just published um, a new study about the importance of talking to people across your network. Um, and that the likelihood of actually landing a job through your secondary or third network is much higher than, than from your primary or family or friends network. So really awesome advice. Um, thank you once again for your time and for sharing um, um, all this uh, interesting information about USAID's mission uh, in Jordan. And we Look forward to uh, meeting you in person in Amman very soon. Thank you very much, Marissa and Iman. It was a, it was a pleasure and it was a great opportunity for me to share what USAID is doing here in Jordan to support uh, the country, the people uh, and the government. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Sherry, and best of luck. This podcast is funded by a grant from the United States Department of State. The opinions, findings, and conclusions of this podcast are those of our guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the United States Department of State.